You know, I'll never forget the summer I worked with Jorge in the hot Orlando summer uh, doing drywall. Jorge was from Mexico, as his name might uh, give you uh, credence to, and he taught me a lot about drywall that summer. Uh, not so much so that if you have a basement project, you should call me. I will probably wreck your project. Don't call me for a basement project. I don't know drywall that well. And one of the things I loved about Jorge was not just what he taught me about drywall, but also about life. I asked him the question, what is different coming from Mexico and out to the United States? What, what is changing? What do you see as, as, as some of those big striking differences? And something that resonated with me is that he said the pace of life here is extreme. That we just go, go, go. You know, it was a similar conversation I had working at a butter factory in New Ulm, Minnesota. There I talked to a man who was from the Middle East. And he had the same thing to say. I asked him the question, what's different coming from that country to here? And he said, we just go, go. It's crazy. It never stops. It's unrelenting. We just go, go, go. The pace of life. And then I had a chance to visit the Czech Republic, which I was watching the Olympics. Anyone watch the Olympic uh, ceremonies? Is that, uh, Czech Republic's now called what? Slovakia? Is that right? Something like that? Anyway. No. No, Stephen. All right. Still Czech Republic? All right. Well, anyway, whatever it's called, I went to that country. And my sister was there, and my brother-in-law as well. And what I observed was what everyone was saying, that there was just a different feel to life, that it was slower, that there was more breathing room in what they were doing and what they were supposed to do for their jobs. It was crazy. And actually, it was kind of good. And I say all this anecdotal advice to tell you that I believe we are very familiar with hard work in this country. And I believe we are very familiar with a very fast pace of life and go, go, go. In fact, if you want a study to support what I believe, uh, Forbes did a study in 2011, and they compared average working hours, they compared commute time, housing costs, cost of living, and unemployment, and among all those things, they ranked uh, Chicago as the third most stressful city. So, but you know, I bet I don't have to convince you of that, do I? See, I have my privilege to get to know you the past five years, and, and in a general uh, uh, broad stroke brush, uh, the problem is not that we have too much time or too little to do. The problem is that we have way too much to do and not enough time to do it. In fact, if you've ever been stressed out and felt you didn't have enough time, would you just pull on your hair so I know I'm relating to you? You don't have to have hair. You can just, anyone am I speaking to? All right. Well, I think that's why today's message is so awesome. I'm so excited to preach to you because we're in the third, or, or we're, we're in the third part of our series on treatment, focusing on physical health. And, and last week we covered God's view of the body. Today is a support for physical health, and we're going to look uh, at what stress does to our body and what God actually wants for us when it comes to stress. Okay, so that's our goal. We're going to try to get a better overall game plan to handle the stressors of life if we really are the third most stressed out city in a very stressful country. So we continue. Last week I brought up a great book that I really recommend called The Daniel Plan. I heard of some who picked it up. Uh, please do. It's a great support to what we're talking about in this series. If this series is really translating to you. And, and in this book, um, the, the doctors, uh, Dr. Hyman, would, would write about stress. Now, a little bit of stress and what it does to our body is actually good. Uh, about stress. When we feel stressed, it actually releases cortisol and adrenaline. And those chemicals, they help us to stay focused. It's what I'm using right now. They, they, they help us to perform well on the court. They help us to, to get on time to where we're going. And so that body response is actually really, really good. But there's a difference between stress and then chronic stress. 
And chronic stress is when those stressors are, are all the time and our body keeps sending cortisol, keeps sending adrenaline, and it never relents. And, and for chronic stress, they said this is, is really, really problematic. They did a brain study and they found that those who were under chronic stress had, had worse memories than, than others compared to them. Uh, this is no shocker, but chronic stress weakens the immune system. We know that. Um, if you're eating unhealthily, uh, we, can, we can blame that on chronic stress. Um, if you have uh, eating unhealthy problems, because when we have chronic stress, we, we crave the carbs and the sweet stuff. Um, and, and we also retain um, belly fat and we also lose muscle because uh, our body's under so much pressure. Chronic stress. And chronic stress is related to emotional problems as well. It's associated with anxiety, associated with depression, and even Alzheimer's disease. Chronic stress is a problem. Now what does God really want? I think a good God wants so much better for us than I mean, we heard it in the first lesson. Consider the words of the first lesson. When, when he had the, 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 the power to schedule the, his people's lives, he said, as part of your schedule, you're going to take one day, because I'm that good, and your whole body is going to rest. Yes, you're going to rest in me spiritually, but your whole body is going to have time to put, stay put. That'd be great. Who would like just the whole day to do nothing? Anyone. Anyone. Right? That's a good God. He, he's watching out for us. And he's built the body for rest. Now, we're going to go through other selections uh, from God's word today and, and kind of see what he says about rest. I invite you to turn now to your worship folders, page 6. And let's consider just some other selectives on what rest is and how it's beneficial. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, and this is a tangent, but can we... Instead of city, put in government. Anyone watch the State of the Union and never get concerned about government? Unless the Lord watches over the government, guess what? The guards stand watch in vain. He's got control there. Then back to working. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep Ooh, to those he loves. Proverbs 23 says this. It says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. And then, Matthew 11, I'm going to ask for your participation. Fill in the last word as I read. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you... That's a good, good God. And we're going to explore what he wants for us through the lens of his word. May he bless our study. Anyone watch the Super Bowl this past week? Love the Super Bowl. Seahawks dominated. My goodness, that was crazy. And uh, one of the crazy characters that came out of the Super Bowl is this man, um, Pete Carroll. Tremendous coach. One of the only coaches who won both at the NFL level now and at the collegiate level, highest honors. You probably wouldn't guess this, but Pete Carroll is 62 years old. And this past week on SportsCenter, um, some of the players were being interviewed on, what's it like to be under Pete Carroll? And they were saying that Pete Carroll, at the beginning of practice, would run the 100 yards just with the players, you know, warming up alongside of them. They said about Pete Carroll that he would dance to the music in the locker room just like one of the guys. And, and one, one person just gave one word for Pete Carroll, and it was the word energy. Energy. And if you look at the game and you look at how he reacts to touchdowns or how he celebrates and how he goes high and low, it sure seems that God has given Pete Carroll a lot of energy. Let's talk a little about energy today. I think that energy is finally a gift of God. And I believe not every 62-year-old is as energetic as Pete Carroll because of that gift. There are levels of that energy. To get us thinking about energy reminds me of this uh, 
commercial, because there were no really good Super Bowl commercials this year, at least I thought. But. So let's go back to a good one. Does anyone know the phrase for the Energizer Bunny? It keeps, it keeps going and going and going. Now, has God built us like the Energizer Bunny? Are we meant to keep going and going and going and going? The answer is no, isn't it? And Pete Carroll might have some energy, but he still needs to rest, doesn't he? That's the way God built us. We have limited time and limited energy. And so what we want to do this morning, if you take out your prescription cards, get those out, we want to just think and consider, the first thing we're doing is to budget your energy. Budget your energy. The reason I use budgets is because I'm in Financial Peace University. And right now, when you consider a, a budget financially, we know that if you overdraw financially, there's going to be problems. The bank will send you a lovely letter that says NSF. It's not good. Um, you'll have really high interest rates for credit cards, and, and there will be negative consequences from overdrawing on your money. We've considered chronic stress. When it comes to your energy, when you overwithdraw, there will be negative consequences. And so I believe, just as we do with our finances, how about if we monthly get together, uh, maybe if we have a spouse with them, look at the calendar, some people call it scheduling, and say, where are we going to use our energy? And how about for our kids? If we have kids and if we're in control of their schedule, how are we scheduling our kids' energy? Are we overwithdrawing? How are we doing? Are we leaving time for how God made us, which is to rest. You know, Moses, Old Testament dude, he, uh, he knew at the end of his life the value of both time and energy and how they were limited resources. You know, it's funny. It seems to me as you get older, you understand how limited time and energy are, right? And Moses, he would say this about time. He would say, Lord, teach me to number my days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Now, Scripture has something to say about our days. Uh, the comparisons are all that life is short, that our life is a shadow, a vapor or mist, a grass or flower that's here up one day and gone the next. And so you and I will have very limited time and very limited energy. What this means for you is that we need some intentionality. If that's the case, we, we, we can't afford to waste that energy on things that aren't beneficial for ourselves or for others. We want to pause and say, what can I use my time for that would honor God and be beneficial for others? To get our minds wrapped around things that maybe we could avoid, I, I had a commercial that really fit uh, what we're talking about today. A commercial that really fit the American work ethic and also the results of that work ethic. So um, it's a Cadillac commercial. Uh, draw your attention here. Why do we work so hard? For what? For this? For stuff? Other countries, they work, they stroll home, they stop by the cafe, they take August off. Off. Why aren't you like that? Why aren't we like that? Because we're crazy, driven, hard-working believers, that's why. Those other countries think we're nuts. Whatever. We're the Wright brothers insane? Bill Gates, Les Paul, Ali. Were we nuts when we pointed to the moon? That's right. We went up there, you know what we got? Bored. So we left. Got a car up there, left the keys in it. Do you know why? Because we're the only ones going back up there, that's why. But I digress. It's pretty simple. You work hard, you create your own luck, and you gotta believe anything is possible. As for all the stuff, 
That's the upside of only taking two weeks off in August. Nespa? And that's so American. I mean, sum up the American work ethic. There it is, right? And one of the things we need to talk about is that it is not bad to work hard. In fact, you know, that's actually what God wants for you. Um, consider this passage. Uh, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so another sermon for another day is don't be lazy. Who likes that? God isn't honored by that. In fact, even in this church, one of our core values is that we want to bring our best. A great God is honored by our, our, our great talents and our treasures brought to this place. That's awesome. But that, again, is a different sermon for a different day. What I wanted to narrow into is that last portion. What do you say? Why, why do we only take two weeks instead of a month? Because he got the car, right? <laughs> and, and so, in general, he alludes to a principle that is true, and difference is between countries as well, that the more stuff will equal more stress or work, or more work equals more stuff. Whatever way you want to call it, stress, work, they're all related to the stuff that we have. Now, putting a spiritual lens on it, is it wrong to have a nice car? Is it sinful to have a nice car? Of course not. If you got a great car, let me drive it. I'd love to see it, and let's do donuts outside. That, that'd be great. That's awesome, right? Is it sinful for you to work hard to have nice things for your family? No, it is not. It is not. But is there a balance? That I would tell you there is. And that I would allude that maybe we don't always get it right. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. What does it say? It says that in the balance, don't wear yourself out to get rich or trust in your cleverness. Don't wear yourself out. So what this is saying is that we overexert ourselves. That in the pursuit of stuff, we lose the pursuit of rest, which is how God made us. And that's what we're talking about. That you can still work hard, but guess what? You can still get eight hours of sleep. You could work hard, but guess what? You could still take a day off. It's natural. It's all right. That's good. And through a greater lens of Scripture, maybe let's consider this. That sometimes in the pursuit of stuff, it might not only get a, a lack of rest, but it all, might also get us from pursuing greater things. Right? For instance, we can pursue stuff and, and have it all, but because of that, never have time to use it. We can pursue stuff, and our kids have all the cool stuff, right? Everything that they want, but they don't have us in their lives. We can pursue stuff and the pleasures of life, but then miss out a pursuit of God and the peace he has for us. And this, dear friends, is where we go astray. So the question I want to propose for you, and just get you to ask, and maybe you're on the right page. If so, keep at it. But this question, I think, is helpful. Is there a current pursuit standing in the way of a greater pursuit? Is there something you're giving your time and your energy for that you could stop doing and start doing something else that would be of greater benefit when aligned with God's word and his will for our lives? I think that's a great question to ask. Because if you're anything like me, you've failed at this more than one time. If you're anything like me, you've gotten busy and lost sight of the greater things. We all fail in this at one regard or another, and sometimes it has consequences with a relationship with our spouse. Sometimes it has consequences in the relationship with our kids. Sometimes, yes, with our God. It's not wrong to pursue stuff, 
but man, consider and, and, and look at the greater things God wants for us all. Because look again at the words he's preserved for us. Look at Psalm 127. He says, in vain you rise early and stay up late. You're go, go, going. Toiling for food to eat, or literally eating the bread of toil, it says. And he grants sleep to those he loves. He grants rest. That's a good God. And so, it's good to work hard, but the balance, the middle road, dear friends, is not working and, and straining in such a way as if he didn't exist. The balance, the middle road, my friends, is not working and straining as if he didn't provide what we have and need for life. Because he'll continue to be provident. And so we can pursue our work in a more balanced way. This is our God who finally builds the house. You know, this principle of putting our trust in him and pursuing him first reminds me of Jesus' works. Uh, Jesus said this in, in the Gospel of Matthew, as recorded by Matthew. He said, But seek first his kingdom. Let him build your house. Let him primarily take care of work. Let him primarily provide for you and his righteousness. And do you know how it ends? Some do. All these things will be given to you as well. And he was talking about stuff. He was talking about food and clothing. If you make him your greatest pursuit, dear friends, the other pursuits that you want will turn out. And this is the good news of our God. You see, the, the God who sent his son to save us and make us at peace, he wants so much better for us than more and shinier and bigger and faster and, and greater stuff. <laughs> he wants us to see the value of what a relationship with him when it's firing on cylinders, can be really about the value of our relationship with others, the value of service to others, and to pursue a greater good. You know, another principle that we consider is this next, that when we consider spiritual rest, it will go hand in hand with physical rest. We heard from Matthew chapter 11, Jesus' words saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. If you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulder, and I will give you rest. Now this is primarily talking about spiritual rest and what he's done for us. And uh, to kind of talk about that, I want to know, does anyone um, have household chores or grew up in a household where there were chores given? I did. Saturday mornings, you woke up and the list was there and all good. I can't wait to give chores to my children, you know. <laughs> I'm a mean and miserable man and that's just part of life. And I'm not even sure they're going to get paid for it, but that... Bloomer family, here we go. Um, and when we consider spiritually, a Heavenly Father actually had chores for us as children. He did. He, he had desires for us to do, and, and, and He wanted us to fulfill them. The simple truth is, we didn't do it. In fact, you and I, through the lens of Scripture, have done the complete opposite. And you remember what happens in your household or the household you grew up in when, when you didn't get the chores done? There's wrath, isn't there? You did what with your day? What are you doing? The stuff I wanted you to do, you, didn't, you, you made more of a mess? How is that even possible? What's going on? That's what God sees as he looks down on us, his children. I had a whole list of things for you to do, and guess what? The things I wanted you to do, you didn't do it. Because you're all doing other stuff. And you know his solution? 
It wasn't to rail on us. They get mad. His solution is that we had an older brother called Jesus Christ who came into the world. And Jesus Christ would take our chore list. And Jesus Christ would do all those things in our place. And so we see Jesus coming into the world and honoring his parents like we never could. We see Jesus honoring a government in a way that we never could, saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We see Jesus caring for the needy and feeding those who are hungry and opening the eyes of the blind and curing the lame. We see Jesus fulfilling all the stuff that we needed to do. And that God who saved you by his work, who completed everything for you spiritually, he did not do it so that you could be miserable, strung out, and depressed. I'm serious. That's cool, right? He did not do it so that we would wait every day wondering how life is going to work out and wondering if I'm going to get through the day and wondering, uh-oh, is, is the, there's enough time in the day and, and just running the rat race. Primarily, he gave us spiritual rest, yes. And he did all our work for us, yes. So that that spiritual rest could transcend to how we operate, dear friends. And if we live remembering what Jesus has done for us, I believe it can lead to physical rest. And, and here's why. If I live knowing that he has made me good, I don't have to live in such a way that I'm trying to prove I'm good to everyone else, which is so often what people try to do. I've got to prove I'm good. I've got to prove I'm good. Guess what? You weren't good. God made you good. Be good. You know? uh, you're, you're good to go. I don't have to live in such a way in order to impress or prove anything to anyone. Guess what? A heavenly father already has called me his child, I don't have to impress my coworkers or my friends at school. I'm good to go based on his identity. And so I can just be diligent in those matters. I don't have to work in such a way as if he wasn't finally the provident hand. Now, as a basis, I will tell you there are seasons of life. I get it. Some seasons are particularly busy. But what we're working at is to strive for a goal. It's to strive for a better goal. It's to be cognizant of what we're picking and choosing our energy for and to keep those goals before us. But no matter how busy the season, we don't have to be turned up inside because we know that he has never let us a day go by where we didn't have what we needed. That's how good he is. When he's the center of our life, it'll keep us from the pursuits that waste time, energy, and money whether it be a consumer lifestyle, whether it be a party lifestyle, whether it be um, a lifestyle of pleasure. Because God will give us directive. So my dear friends, on behalf of Jesus who did everything for your salvation, would you be cognizant of the fact that your energy is limited and that God built you to rest? Would you find your rest in him and search out the principles he wants for our lives so that we continue to use our time and energy in a great way. If you're looking for an extra resource, I love to give resources if this is really up your alley. A great book is called When Work and Family Collide, written by Andy Stanley. It gives you some thoughts about how to better use both time and energy. And as we conclude, can I just pray for us all? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the good of work. Help me to work hard with whatever my hands find to do, all for your glory. As I deal, though, with serious stress, help me to find serious rest. Let me honor the way you built my body. Help me to make the most of my time, exerting my energies in what truly pleases you and will be beneficial to others. 
Thank you for giving me true and lasting spiritual rest in Jesus. And help that to flow to physical rest. Amen. Please stand.